Jesus, we're in your presence today. You promised that the Comforter would come. You promised that you had to go away so that you could send your Holy Spirit here and that it was better for us that you go so that when the Holy Spirit came, he could fill all the earth. (laughs) And we believe that includes Kankakee first this morning. Your spirit is here. We feel you. It's tangible. It's palpable. You want to do something special in our midst today. Have your way in us. Make us open channels of your grace today. Love you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. It is good to be back with you today at Kankakee uh, First. You have probably picked up by now that uh, my name is Andrew, and I am the new lead pastor here at First Church. And we're really excited to be here with you. We loved uh, our time in Greece. It was a wonderful trip, but we love you guys a lot more. And uh, and we're glad to be back with you in one piece. Uh, As Brandon said, as Tom uh, said, today uh, is my first day, but it is not about me. It's about Jesus and about his spirit. So let's dive right in. If you have your Bibles, your phone, your tablet, I encourage you to turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. As you are uh, turning there, I want to welcome you to the first week of a brand new sermon series called Day One. If you would, say that out loud with me, Day One. And I tell you, I'm really excited about the word that God has laid on my heart for our next three weeks together, because as you've determined by now, not only is this today, Day One, in the life of our church in terms of of new ministry and, and, and new pastors and new direction, But also, today is day one in terms of the life of the entire church of Jesus Christ. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is the birth of the church. Today is day one, and we are the fruit of that day some 2,000 years ago. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think it's any coincidence that our day one just so happens to be the same day one as the day that God chose 2,000 years ago to send his Holy Spirit to earth. I don't know about you, but I don't think it's any coincidence that our day one happens to be the very same day one that he sent his presence to be with us. I don't think it's any coincidence that our day one happens to be the very same day one that 2,000 years ago God gave birth to a movement that radically shaped the course of human history. I don't think it's any coincidence at all. In fact, what I think is that God might actually be up to something in our midst again. That he might actually want to send his presence to us again. That he might actually want to send us his spirit again. And that he might actually want new revival, new transformation, new reconciliation, and new restoration to take root in Kankakee First Church and through us to this town and to this community and to the county that surrounds us. That's what I think God might actually be up to today. Anybody agree with me? Thanks be to God. I believe that Jesus is up to something on day one at Kankakee First Church of the Nazarene. Now, if that is the case, then that means that you and I have work to do. And so these next three weeks, what we're going to look at is we're going to look at three characteristics, three habits of this early church from day one on. I'm convinced that in our personal lives, in our corporate life, in our institutional life, in our church life, I'm convinced that the habits that we form today determine the legacy that we leave for tomorrow. 
The, the actions that we take today are not without any consequence that they actually determine the legacy that we will leave for future generations. So what are we going to do? First week, week one, we find that God fills his church with the Holy Spirit when that church is prepared for a purpose. If you would say that with me, we are prepared for a purpose. Next week, week two, probably my favorite message in the series. You won't want to miss it. Week two, God fills a church that lives like the light. Say it with me, lives like the light. And finally, in week three, we find that God fills a church with his Holy Spirit that is ready for resistance. If you would say that with me, we are ready for resistance. What kind of church does the Holy Spirit fill? He fills the church that will prepare for a purpose, a church that will live like the light, and a church that above all else will be ready for resistance. The habits that we form today will determine the legacy that we leave as a church. So God is calling us to move forward together today on this day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 1. What I believe is that Jesus Christ wants to accomplish something powerful in our midst. What I believe is that Jesus Christ wants to bless this church. What I believe is that Jesus Christ actually wants to grow this church and multiply this church and make this church a life-forming movement in this community. But our key thought for the series is really important because it's not just a key thought for this series, it's a key thought for our entire ministry with you, and it goes like this. As God's people... Our mission is to glorify God. God's mission is to build his church. As God's people, our mission is simple. Our job is simple. It's to glorify him. God's mission is to build his church. Never in all of scripture does Jesus tell us that the most important commandment is to go out and build a big church. Never in all of scripture does Jesus say, hey, get as many people together as possible at 1030 on Sunday mornings and put them in one place because that's what I want you to do. That's not what Jesus tells us to do. He says, what is it you're called to do? He says, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. He says in our key verse for the series, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, he says, I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. He says, you are Peter and on this rock. What rock? Not, not, not a person, not, not, not Peter. He's talking about the confession that Peter makes, that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Savior of the world. What Jesus says is, on this rock, when my name is high and lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. When I am glorified, when I am loved, when I am glorified in the church, that's when I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Our job is not to build a big church. Our job is to glorify God. He'll take care of the rest, and we'll thank him for it. So what are the three things we are going to do to prepare for a purpose? What are the three habits you and I must develop as a people of God if we also want to be filled with his spirit? If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write these down. Number one, the, spirit, the church that is filled with the Holy Spirit is a church that follows Jesus even when the way seems uncertain. That follows Jesus even 
when the way seems uncertain. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life in which God's movement in me seems a little bit uncertain. Uh, Finding out that we were expecting a child three days after accepting the call to come here was one of those moments. God, what are you doing with us? What's happening? We have enough change the way it is. Why would you do that to us? Maybe you've been there as well. Maybe you've seen God working or you think God's working or you're not sure if God's working, but he's leading you in a certain direction and you don't know, but you say, Jesus, I will follow you even when the way seems uncertain. I'm a, I'm a detail person by nature. I'm a, I'm a curious person by nature. And so uh, by nature, I always want to know the answer to the question, why? Why, God? Why do I have to go here? Why do I have to do that? Why do I have to move this direction? My son, Lucas, uh, partially because he is three and partially because he's stuck with my genetics, uh, is just like me, right? Everything for him is why? Why, Dad? Why can't we do this? Why can't we go there? So a couple months ago, we were down in Florida at a conference, and the hotel where we were staying uh, actually had a really big fountain there in the hotel lobby courtyard. And my son, Lucas, who is three, is mesmerized by fountains. And so he uh, ran up to this fountain the very first day, and he climbs up on the wall around the fountain, and he starts running laps around this wall that's surrounding this fountain, right? Really good idea. And uh, so I saw this happening, and I know I should have said, Lucas, get off the wall, but he was having so much fun. And so I just simply said, Lucas, don't run, just walk. To which he responded with the question, why? Why, Dad? Why can't I run? And Dad didn't want to go into all the business of the horrors of dying a death in a fountain in a hotel lobby. And so I simply said, stop me if this sounds familiar, because I told you so, right? Because I said so. So do it. Now, Lucas, because he loves me, uh, slowed down for about three seconds. And, uh, and then he started running again, right? And so he's running and he's running and running and you guys know where this goes. After about two minutes, he took one false step, uh, one bad angle around the fountain and like lightning, he is down in this fountain right in the middle of this hotel lobby courtyard. True story. Very, I wish I had a picture to show you today. And so he's in this hotel lobby and someone is screaming. I think it was my wife. And so uh, these, these people are, I mean, there's people everywhere watching this unfold, right? And so I did what any good dad would do. I just sat there and watched. <laughs> Let's see how you get out of this one, Lucas. Fortunately, his mom and his grandmother uh, who was there were much more compassionate, so they ran over and they got him out of the fountain and they brought him uh, over uh, to me and I wrapped a towel around him and gave him a hug and then I put my hands on his shoulders and I looked him in the eye and I said the four words that every parent loves to say, Lucas, I told you so. You guys have had that same conversation with Lucas, huh? Yeah, very good. You, you, know, you know how it goes. Because I told you so. There's times in our life, church, in which we don't understand what God is doing in our midst. There's times in our life where it just doesn't make sense. There's times in our life where maybe God calls you to do something that you're not comfortable doing. He calls you to, to be a part of a ministry maybe he's not com- you're not comfortable with leading. He calls you to get out in your community and meet neighbors you're not comfortable meeting. He calls you to, to go through the loss of a, of a loved one, of a, of a parent, of a spouse. And you say, Jesus, why do I have to go through all this? That's why I love Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. 
because this is what Jesus tells his disciples right before he's taken up into heaven. He gives them this command. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. I'm telling you folks, for that early church, that command would not have made any sense whatsoever. Why are we going to wait, Jesus? What are we going to do? These guys aren't from Jerusalem. They've got families back home. They've got work back home. And now Jesus is ascended up into heaven. And, and, and what are they supposed to do? Just sit in Jerusalem and wait? But it's why I love verse 12, because it shows us the character of this early community. This is what verse 12 says after Jesus is ascended to heaven. It says, then they returned to where? To Jerusalem. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they are staying. What kind of church does the Holy Spirit fill? The Holy Spirit fills a church that will follow Jesus even at times when it doesn't make sense. A church that will follow Jesus faithfully even when we don't know the way. Secondly, what kind of church does the Holy Spirit fill? The Holy Spirit fills the church that will stick together even when we'd rather give up. It's a church that will stick together even when we would rather give up. Now, I don't know about you, but I have been around churches long enough to know that every church has their problems, right? And we are probably not exempt. I'm new here, and so I'm naive enough to think we all love each other all the time and there's no problems at all, right? But I'm sure long enough we'll find the problems that exist. Because every church has their problems. Look, think about this early church in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. Think about their origins. After Jesus leaves, their new leader is a guy named Peter. And we know Peter. Six weeks earlier, he's just denied the fact that he even knew Jesus existed. Jesus? Nope. Never heard of the guy. Nope. Never ran into him, right? This is the new leader of this movement. Uh, worse yet, they've got one of their, their 12 core guys, one of their, their main guys, Judas Iscariot, right? He's actually the one that has gone out and betrayed Jesus to his death. And Judas is so ashamed and he's so guilty that he goes out to a field and he hangs himself out of guilt. That's the start of the early church. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel pretty good about our problems. <laughs> that Jesus could use that. He can use anything, can't he? That's how Jesus works. He works through anything and anyone as long as we stick together, even when we would rather give up. I've been around enough churches, particularly these last couple years of my life. I've visited churches all over our district and seen all shapes and sizes of them. And here is the truth that I have discovered. You can take this to the bank. You can write this down. The only churches that don't have problems are the churches that don't have people. That's really profound. Someone's going to get blessed, so I'm going to say it again. The, all, the only churches that don't have problems are the churches that don't have people, right? The only churches that don't have any conflict are the churches that are dead because conflict and tension and friction, those are all parts of the normal Christian life. Those things happen. The Holy Spirit does not fill a perfect church. The Holy Spirit fills a church that will stick together even in the most difficult times. Uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't look for a church that is perfect on the outside. The Holy Spirit looks for a church that is unified on the inside. In fact, you can write this down. It's, it's, it's an important thought. Spiritual unity always yields spiritual power. 
Spiritual unity always yields spiritual power. Sharon read it for us earlier in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. This is what happens. When the day of Pentecost came, they were what? They were all together in one place. All of their baggage, all of their issues, all of their disappointments, all of their problems, guess what? They were still all together in one place. They stuck together even at times when some of them probably wanted to quit. Spiritual unity yields spiritual power. The psalmist says it like this in Psalm 133. He says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity, because that's where the Lord bestows his blessing. Spiritual unity yields spiritual power. The Holy Spirit does not show up at the perfect church. The Holy Spirit doesn't show up at the church that has everything together. The Holy Spirit shows up at the church that when the times get difficult, they learn to stick together no matter what. Amen? The Holy Spirit fills a church that follows Jesus even when times get hard. The Holy Spirit fills the church that will pray, to get, that will stick together even when things get difficult. And number three, if you're taking notes, the Holy Spirit will fill a church that keeps praying even when we can't see results. The Holy Spirit will fill a church that will keep praying desperately together even when you can't see results. Acts chapter 1 verse 14, maybe my favorite verse in this whole passage because it provides such a powerful summary of life together in this early church. Here's what verse 14 says. It says, they all joined together. They stuck together. They were always together. And what were they doing? They were constantly in prayer. Constantly in prayer. What kind of church does the Holy Spirit fill? The Holy Spirit fills a church that will keep praying together no matter what. Now, a lot of us perhaps have been around the church for a long time. And we know how important prayer can be. And yet, perhaps with me, you would confess, prayer is sometimes one of the most difficult things for us to do consistently and constantly in our life. All of us go through phases. Uh, a, a couple weeks ago, Simone and I and Lucas went up to the, to the hospital to, to visit uh, someone who was there. We spent a, a long time in, 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 in fellowship and in prayer together. And our son, for being three, is a great trooper uh, in the midst of, uh, of, of sitting through all that. And so we had a great time. The, the hardest part for him is sitting still during the prayer time, right? Sit still and, and, and bow your head and, and act like you're not there, right? And so it's really, really hard sometimes for him to do that. And so we got through it and, uh, and we got out to the parking lot and I was strapping Lucas into his car seat and he looked up at me out of nowhere and he had those big, those big three-year-old eyes. He looked at me and he said, he said, Dad, hallelujah. And I said, Lucas, I said, that's really sweet. You're three years old. What do, you, what, do you, what do you mean? Hallelujah. He said, Dad, hallelujah. You're finally done praying. <laughs> All of us go through it, right? All of us have these issues from early in life. And if you say you don't, you need to go pray some more because you are probably lying, right? All of us have these struggles with the life of prayer. But let me tell you, folks, there are a lot of churches out there that have great programs. There are a lot of churches out there that have great events. There are a lot of churches out there that have great preaching and they've got great music and they, great, they have great times together, but there are not many churches out there that have great prayer 
together. It is the prayer of a church that is the lifeblood of our hearts. Oswald Chambers says it like this. He says, when you think about prayer as the breath in your lungs and the life in your hearts, that's when you think about prayer rightly. Anything short doesn't cut it. When we think about prayer as the breath in our lungs and the life in our hearts, that's when we think rightly. I tell you folks, the difference between a good church and a great church is the life of prayer. The difference between a surviving church and a thriving church is the life of prayer. The difference between a church that is just going through the motions on the outside and fulfilling their duty and a church that is filled with the Holy Spirit is the life of prayer. It's the life of prayer that makes all the difference in this world and in the world to come. And so that's what I want you to hear me to say. My very first Sunday here officially as your pastor is this. Prayer will be the cornerstone of everything that we do. Prayer will be the foundation of everything that we do. All of our groups, all of our ministries, all of our discipleship, all of our events, all of our services, prayer will be the foundation because I am convinced that the fruit we see here on Sunday mornings is a result of the root that is dug down deep throughout the week. The fruit that accomplishes here on Sunday morning is because people have faithfully got down on their knees and bowed their hearts and bowed their heads and bowed their minds and said, Jesus, take reign over my life. I need you. I want you. I need your Holy Spirit in me. Prayer will be the difference between our success and our failure. Prayer will be the difference between living into our purpose and living into what God has for us. The life of prayer will make all the difference in the world. What kind of church does the Holy Spirit fill? The Holy Spirit fills the church that will follow Jesus even when times get uncertain. It's the church that will stick together even when things get difficult. It's the church that will pray together and keep praying desperately even at times when we can't see results. That's the kind of church we want to become That's the kind of church we have to become. God has a great purpose and plan for First Church of the Nazarene in Kankakee County. But we'll only get there if the Holy Spirit fills us up. Let me tell you, folks, the Holy Spirit could do more in five minutes in our midst than we can do in five years of work all by ourselves. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to make all of the difference. Jesus tells us on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Jesus, we want you to come and to move in this place. We need your Holy Spirit. Come and fill us afresh and anew again. As we continue in a spirit of prayer, my guess is that there are a number of you here today that you'd say, that's me. I want to be a part of that kind of movement I want to be a part of that kind of church. I want Jesus to come in and I want him to to move me and transform me and to change me and to make me into the person that he is calling me to be. I want to be a church that is prepared for his purpose. And maybe today you'd say in front of Jesus and in front of the community, you would say, God, make me into that man. Make me into that woman. I'll follow you wherever you go. 
I'll stick together when times get difficult. I will pray desperately, even at times when maybe I can't see the results. I want more of you, Jesus. I am your man. I am your woman. I am called for a purpose, and I want to be a part of what it is that God is calling us to do in this place. If that's you this morning, would you just slip up your hand right now? Would you raise it high? You say, Jesus, all over the place, I want to be a part of your purpose. I want more of you. I want more of you in my life. Hands up everywhere. I want more of you in my life. Jesus, come and have your way in us. Jesus, you've seen our hands, but more importantly, you know our hearts. You know, Lord, what it is that you've called us to do, what you've called us to become, who you have called us to be. Fill us with your Holy Spirit in this place and draw us always closer to you. As we continue in a spirit of prayer, heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. I believe that there are more than a couple of folks here this morning that God has been working in your heart. The Holy Spirit has been working overtime in you from the minute you walked into this sanctuary. What I believe is that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart today and he's saying to you, that love, that joy, that peace, that hope that comes from that spirit-filled life, that's actually available to you in me. And maybe you're sitting here today and you've been around the church for years and, and, and you've gone through the motions, but if it was just you and Jesus sitting in a room and you had to look at yourself and you had to look at Jesus and be honest, you know that all you're doing is going through the motions. You look okay on the outside, but the inside you are dry and you are weary and you are tired. There might be some of you here this morning, this is your first time here, or you've, you've just started coming recently, and, and, and you're not really sure what this relationship with Jesus thing is all about, but you've heard about all the fruits that come from the Spirit, and you say, Jesus, I want that. I want you. I need that kind of life. I need that kind of hope. I need that kind of purpose for you. Today, the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart, and he's saying to you, that can be yours and me. Today can be your day one. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've said. It doesn't matter how far you've run because today could be the first day of the rest of your life. Today, he's willing to wipe away your sins. Today, he's willing to make you new. Today, he's willing to take your sins and cast them as far as the east is from the west, never to think of them, never to remember them, and to never to judge you for them again. You can be made new. You can be made clean today. And there's some of you here today, you're saying, I have to have that. I have to have that in my life. I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm dry. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I need Jesus. I need his purpose. I need his plan for me. And today, if that's you, you say, Jesus, I need a Savior. I need forgiveness. I need a fresh start. I need a day one in my life today. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand right now? Wherever you sit, praise God. Thank you, brother. Who else? Thank you, Jesus. Who else? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Who else? Today's my day one. Don't miss it. Thank you, sister. Praise God. Who else? Who else? Thank you, brother. Thank you, Jesus. Today can be your day one. Today's the day of your salvation. Thank you, this couple back there. Praise God. Praise Jesus for new life. Today can be your day one. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. You don't have to go through the weariness. You don't have to go through the tiredness. You don't have to experience the dryness. God has something more for you. It's the Holy Spirit that wants to fill your life. Anyone else? Thank you, sister, down front. Praise Jesus. Praise God. 
Praise Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. First Church, would you pray along with all these folks who have said, today is my day one. Today is the day I need Jesus. Would you pray out loud with your neighbors walking into the kingdom of God? You'd say, Heavenly Father, we need you. Forgive me of my sins. Make me new. Cleanse my spirit. Send me yours. Today is day one of the rest of my life. I'm never turning back. I'm all yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. First Church, can we thank God for new life coming into his kingdom today? Jesus. And now we have the privilege of celebrating that through communion. What a, what a great opportunity, privilege for us this morning. I was sitting and listening to Pastor Andrew as he shared and thinking about what it might have been like to have been in that upper room uh, waiting for the Spirit to come. And it dawned on me uh, that the last time that they had a significant moment with Jesus was in another upper room as they took Passover uh, together, as they experienced Passover together. And I wondered when the Spirit came upon them in that upper room as they were gathered together, maybe in a bit of fear, waiting to see what the Spirit was going to do and what God was going to do in giving the Spirit, if they thought back to this moment, that they were in another upper room uh, with Him physically and experiencing this ceremony together that we get the privilege of experiencing this morning. Uh, I want to remind you as we take communion together, this is the Lord's table, and if you are seeking after Him, if you've made a decision to follow Him and serving Him with your life, that you are welcome. Uh, We also have stacked cups, so when you take uh, the cup, make sure you take the, the pair that have the juice and the wafer in them. Uh, Those who are helping, would you please come help us serve?